Hey, so this is Pam Electric Ghost, and we're talking to the Pittsburgh, right? Pennsylvania. Uh, we're from Philly. Oh, yeah. Philly. Yeah. Philly. yeah. Sorry. Uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> um, the Sex with Roller Coasters. And you're, we're going to talk about your brand new album, Dweet. Yeah, we're very excited. Yeah, it's. Um, I've been listening to it oh, awesome. know, since it came out, and uh, I've got some favorites, but we'll probably go and talk through all the songs, unless you want to know which songs I'm really digging. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, I, I like the video for Spill Your Guts. Okay, That's thank you. The lead track. track. And, um, but Owl Tree Jewel, I've been really kind of enamored with that. Cool. And, and I kind of picked up, I don't know if you guys are channeling this, but it kind of has this like Paul Web- Web- Weller kind of squeeze vibe. But then mm. you've got this um, kind of like, punk like uh thing that you the squeeze would have never done but you've got this groove that kind of reminds me of of, of of squeeze a little bit cool which is cool and i actually have picked up like that kind of vibe on some of your more groove oriented songs all right and then like the, the last song in the album george and mary kind of felt like like a like a basement tape like like from from like dylan and the band <laughs> Yeah, we're we're kind of going for like a, a a porch thumper type type deal. Yeah, cause I love the basement tapes because they had this really awesome kind of stripped down sound, and George and Mary kind of reminds me of that. Right, right. Yeah, that really stripped down sound. So I really vibe into those three songs like a lot. Cool. And, and the fourth one I really dig is like, who the hell is Nicholas McKay? Uh, right. <laughs> Part yeah. four and five. <laughs> yeah, it's a continuation of our other song there. <laughs> yeah, I really like that song a lot. But we, we we can get into like all the songs and how you guys, you know, put them together. So maybe sure. since the first song has a video, uh, right? Maybe you can talk about like why you chose that to be like the lead and and why you chose that song to be you know a video over some of your other songs. Um. Well, I I think when we were we we basically had all these songs for a while now and we spent a long time trying to figure out like a good order to put them in uh, because we wanted to make the album like an experience that you could both experience as an album like i would particularly like i would listen to or you could also listen to them separately which is like the more modern sort of like yeah itunes shuffle or whatever um but that song when we wrote it uh we kind of forced ourselves not to fall into our habits of making things long and psychedelic and crazy weird we tried to just make it as much of a straightforward pop song as possible and yeah. i think that's yeah. why we kind of led with that foot forward is because I, I think it's the most approachable on the album yeah well i think i'll treat joel is is really got a cool vibe but you know i i come from the <laughs> you know, I used to listen to REM, the college radio. So, you know, what I think is cool is, is maybe not what the kids think is cool. But, <laughs> well, I, I mean, we love REM too. So, so I mean, Altree Joel kind of has that kind of Michael Stipe play on words kind of thing that he used to do a lot, right? And and and, and it, it, I like the way it works because that song really, you know, I I I dug what you did with it, the kind of alliteration with it, and it's it's just really cool. But I understand why Spill Your Guts is probably more accessible to modern audience. You know? Right, yeah. It's... But I'll treat Jewel kind of like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think I, um, speaking about I'll treat Jewel specifically, um, that song kind of has like an interesting story behind its creation. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when we first sat down to even write songs, when we decided we were going to write songs again, we were literally just jamming. Like that song is just two chords, like two major chords. Yeah. And we're literally just jamming. Like Alex was doing like this funk thing. He's like just throwing stuff together. And then Dave made a stupid joke that we should put like this loud breakdown thing in the front of the song as opposed (laughs) to at the end. Yeah. We're like, fuck it. Let's make it a song. Uh, but I, I think that maybe that's why you jive with it because it's just like a, a a bouncy jam song, you know. Yeah, well, it had this kind of Paul Weller vibe, and then you threw that kind of like crazy Trent Reznor, like who's to do punk, real powerful, you know, glitchy thing in there, and then right. like, and then it still then you bop 
slip back into that groove and the groove is really good you know and it's it feels organic, and I'm the kind of guy like when I record, I like to do a lot of organic jams, turn into songs. That's kind of the way I do it. And yeah, so I appreciate the kind of vibe on your album because I feel like you're a full band, you know, writing songs in a, in a more old school way, and 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 you know, compared to a lot of the people who do stuff like it's just straight Pro Tools, you know, not using real instruments, you know, kind of just doing everything with the MIDI control, <laughs> and. uh yeah, this sounds cool to actually hear a band collaborating, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that song in particular, uh, we weren't really even planning to write, like, a song. Like, we were just playing together, yeah. and then it kind of just fell into being a song. I think that if you go back in the history of rock and roll and a lot of the great bands, you know, some of the great, like, you know, Fleetwood Mac, you know, like, you know, the, you know, the Doors, like, a lot of stuff, you know, the Alban Brothers, you know, they could get into like Derek and the Dominoes, all that stuff was like GM, you know, and then they tightened it up. I mean, yeah. Neil, you know, Neil Young and Crazy Horse were famous for doing these long jams and then tightening them up, um, you know, but I, I just think that's a great way of writing. Um, Composed, you know, and I understand people go into this very tight thing today with Pro Tools and, and all the Dawes and they, and, they, and they make these formula you know, type songs that are very structured, but I kind of like the jam structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it wor- It depends on the specific song. I think, you know, jams work well for other songs, and then structures can work well too. Like, sometimes yeah, compo- we'll yeah, make the structure compo- to yeah. ruin the structure, I guess, <laughs> like on purpose. <laughs> yeah, if you go back to like Wilco on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, they, they, oh, they, yeah. They spent all their time taking a bunch of songs that you know Jeff Tweedy did, and then totally deconstructed them, and 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 broke them on purpose to kind of make that album. But that's a, that's a technique, you know. You yeah, can, yeah. You know, and and it can go either way. You can go too far with it. You can go, you know, as far as you want with it. But I I always enjoy you know just understanding how artists come about things, and hearing that that was a jam is kind of cool because I was kind of feeling it, you know. Don't spill your guts. It's really cool. I mean, it's, it, it has it has a vibe. It's got you know the length of a track that you know in the marketplace today. That's too, around the length of the track you you, you want to run something like under four minutes, um, you know, under three minutes sometimes. But you you guys got got a really tight vibe on that song. I really like it. But yeah. personally, Altree Jewel is kind of like I'm old school, so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, going back to Spill Your Guts, that, that kind of started as just like a, a voice memo, like on my phone. Uh, mm-hmm. I was literally doing chores one day, just humming to myself, and I, I got the, the core like vocal melody. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then uh, you know, bringing that to practice, we, we wrote the music behind it. We just threw some chords, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Alex made a cool bass riff. And uh, so we like consciously decided to, to take it and sort of make it more straightforward than we would normally do as a band. Yeah. So it was actually kind of a challenge to make a, a pop, like a straight pop song. So I feel like we have all these things where we get into these like really deconstructed, like almost like explode the song. We always yeah. do that. Yeah. It's a bad habit. <laughs> Well, the fans, I mean, I appreciate it. I mean, there are fans that appreciate it. Uh, well, I mean, we love doing that, but we do that in every song, so we try to change it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it makes it harder because, like, you know, I, I think I heard a complaint, like, like when Wilco said, well, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot songs are very difficult to perform live. Right. Because they were so deconstructed and they went and did so many things off-key and strange tape loops and all this stuff. It's hard to reproduce it. You know, so that's kind of sometimes ends up being the problem. If you go too crazy, then when you try to play something live, you can't really play it. The way you're recording it, you have to play it in a different way. Yeah, it's- we 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 always write our songs before we record them. So there's always a, a, the performance version is is always the the root of the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we do get into the studio and we have the luxury of thousands of, of digital tracks and stuff we we like to layer it and, and really make it as crazy yeah. and and audibly interesting as possible or orally excuse me yeah i think that's what's cool about the album i think that's what some of the kids have lost in the playlist generation is the idea when you build an album and you put your headphones on and you listen to this album to weave all the way through 
you feel vibe, you know, you feel what you're doing. And, you know, a live performance is cool. It's different. It's a different thing from what an album should be. And an album, you can go and do a lot of really cool things, uh, mm. you know, in, in terms of what you can do with the production and live performances is a separate, like, animal. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and we kind of treat them differently as well. Yeah. So Teenage Mutant, Chemtrail, Lizard, that's very... <laughs> That's very kind of like out there. I mean, you, you kind of went, uh, can you maybe talk about like the, the motivation for that? Uh, for the song in general? Uh, yeah. Well, if I can talk about first, uh, because we did spend a, a ton of time, like really focusing on, on where the songs landed in the album. Uh, we we kind of decided to front load it with, with really energetic songs and then kind of yeah. let you ease into something yeah a, a little more relaxing so that's kind of why it falls where it is mm -hmm. um but that song is is really just sort of at least musically like an homage to our, our really uh you know our our big i don't even know what the word is uh our influences of like grunge music and and like like really heavy punk music and yeah. stuff like that yeah can i kind of felt like i'm a big and the, like the class and who's could do and the replacements and right you know and it has that kind of vibe but then it's kind of this kind of psychedelic thing you know on top of that because not all punks are psychedelic not all punks some punks just kind of go straight at it right and so you guys are mixing the kind of like like sid barrett pink floyd ish ideas with with, with like punk which is you know you, you get a couple bands doing that today um um but yeah, that's that's cool that, that you you go that way. Yeah, I, I think largely um, because the the song was made off of that that main guitar riff that the song kind of just launches into, and because of how aggressive that is, when mm -hmm. uh, we went to like put lyrics to it, we we really kind of tried to describe, um, like, just trying to make like the the narrator of the song like this this terrible person that's like mm -hmm. a real piece of shit <laughs> and, and and we that that kind of that breakdown area is is almost like a moment of of self-realization where you're you're almost like programmed into into being this way as like a natural defense to to the world around you mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like i'm talking through my teeth here <laughs> no that's cool i mean i understand i mean what you're trying to get at it's kind of like you know it's kind of a de-evolution <laughs> right yeah it's almost like you kind know, of what you're talking about <laughs> right it's almost like you're developing spikes to keep people at a distance and i think that was the vibe we were going for i don't know if yeah, it achieved like, like a specific the, theme like the anti-social nature of like being a, a rude boy or being like a punk or being an outsider but like aggressively being a, yeah, a yeah. punk yeah yeah, yeah. I guess that goes back to like you know the Who was super aggressive when they first started. They were like the first punks, and right? They had this very aggressive with Moon going crazy, you know, this very aggressive sound. Before and nobody really knew how to categorize it. They said, "Oh, that's just rock," but it was punk, right? You know, early Who is like really, really hard punk, and um, yeah, you're kind of channeling that kind of energy, which I like. Cool. <laughs> I like that a lot. So. But then, like you said, like you, when you get further down the album, you start to mellow out, and that kind of gets, gets gives you the nature of an album. Right. Like, albums have like points where they, you know, you can, you can start off either mellow or hard, and then kind of kind of mellow out, and then get hard again, or kind of you know kind of fade out. Um, yeah. So it, it's cool when you get down to some of these other songs. I killed them with kindness and guns. I, I really I enjoyed that song a lot. I, I'm probably vibing on it a little bit more, but you know I've been kind of zooming in on a couple of songs, like I mentioned. But I'm starting to really like. I mean, I like the whole album. I think it has oh, like, it has that feel of an album, which you know is rare today because there's so many bands are just releasing singles, and you know, and you guys like re really look like you constructed or you picked your 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 top songs, you know, to, or songs that can fit together you know and that's cool yeah thanks uh actually um with kill em with kindness and guns um this is actually kind of funny the way this started just that opening uh bass riff um i actually was trying i was working on something that i felt was more uh <laughs> uh like musically satisfying which i never ended up using i 
ended up totally throwing it out and I like couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with it and while I was just kind of idly thinking I just started kind of tapping away Mm -hmm. on my fretboard just kind of idly and uh it's like oh this is actually kind of interesting as like a starting point and then forgot about it and then started doing it again at a practice and we ended up sort of jamming around with it and sort of built the whole song just around that which I thought was interesting um I personally feel like I get a lot of uh writing done just spending time just kind of idly like uh just like working things out yeah yeah well, yeah do you find that like you'll have an idea and then suddenly you know you had this idea and you were going to go with it and then suddenly something else jumps out and it kind of takes over and so like i've got like like all these like demos that i'll run through something and then i might have like five versions of it and then i'll find like the first thing i did i really like but maybe only like like half of it <laughs> and then I start to like mix things together but you know it just seems like like a lot of times when you're in the process like you have this idea and then it kind of goes where it goes you know and it's like like the muse comes in and maybe you, you got you kind of key into it if you have like an open mind as a musician you kind of realize like oh th- I can't be super rigid I gotta be more I, I can't be open to where it's ever it's gonna go it sounds like you, you kind of go that way yeah absolutely um I think like one of the most valuable things uh, for me personally is just spending, spending the time just playing music. Um, And it's almost like a, like a numbers game where, um, you know, the, the cool riffs and stuff like that, that'll kind of come. But uh, I think like for me, it's always just been a product of spending the time playing and, Sometimes, you know, I'll play for hours and feel like I'll get nothing. Um, and then other times, you know, something will just kind of happen or or things just pop up unexpectedly and I'll have three ideas at once or or whatever. But it's totally unexpected. I think the only thing, like, I can control is actually putting the time in to actually play. And um, so, so when you're doing these kind of, like, writing sessions or you're doing this kind of, you know, you're just being a musician and you're, you're putting stuff down – do you always like run a tape and just like, and then go back and listen to it? Or do you suddenly decide, Oh yeah, I'm going to, you got it and you go back or do you, do you can, you know, do you continuously like run something and then go back and listen or do you kind of just like, Oh, that's it. And then you put it down. Um, I, I think we each have our own process. Uh, Cause I, I think we each get most of the work done when we're by ourselves. Like I've seen Alex even just like watching TV playing bass before. And uh, sometimes he'll even just come to practice and just start playing things while he's waiting for Dave to set up his drums. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just, he won't even realize that he's doing something that I think is cool. And I, you know, I'll just start screaming over top of it. And that becomes this song in particular that he, you know, he, he brought that cool uh, fret tapping riff to a practice once. And we're like, yeah, let's, let's jam this. And he's like, let's jam what? You know, so when when do you guys decide to like start rolling the tape? Do you do you do you make a decision that like you you, you all listen to what's going on, and then you start like putting it down into the into a song, or do you like some bands used to like they continually tape? You know, you know, they would go like Feldman from the from the from the Eagles. He would just like run all these tapes. Like Hotel California was like a tape. He would just run it in his house. He, we, he, he would just continually put guitar things down on these reels and then, then bring them into like handling them. So uh, mo- get at like how you do it. Most of us, m- most of it for us is just committed to memory. Uh, we don't even like re- record our practices or anything like that. Um, if we have something cool, we'll jam it and we'll keep it in the back of our minds. But I also think that the sort of memory loss that happens between practices is beneficial um, because if you forget to do something that can kind of lead to something unexpected that you wouldn't normally do had you remembered what you did the first time. And that's sort of what happened with this song in particular, because we have this first half of the song and originally that led into like five other parts. And we're like, this is like getting messy and confusing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I remember I'd listened, I just just listened to okay computer um, radio head album. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this uh, karma police ending where we just change the song in the last 
like for, yeah, for, for progressive rocker type idea like, yeah so yeah. We, we literally lifted that idea and we're just like let's do this crazy effect driven key mm-hmm. change and just kind of change it from this grungy fret tapping song in, into something more melodic and and, and pop oriented that's what i like about you guys you guys kind of bring some of the progressive rock ideas so like radiohead yes kind of old school like ideas of, of doing those changes uh, which is cool because I think that I, I well yeah my child is in the 70s so I, I love progressive rock yeah uh, <laughs> so. absolutely and I, I just like it, we even treated the album the way that we treat individual songs I just like to to sort of you know when I'm listening to songs I like to be told a story even if it is just through music yeah if, if you can have someone start the song with a certain emotion and then evoke a different one by the end I, I think that's what makes a, a successful song oh yeah i feel like songs are like novels and you know, we have really good artists absolutely right? they're like reading like listening to a novel um and so we have really great artists they they, they set that tone you can like you can kind of see what's going on you can picture it without the video you know you can kind of picture it and every fan like you know listen to an album and they get the picture of what they think it is right um, and an artist has no has their idea of what it is but but you know the, the idea that you can evoke those pictures or that those memories or these the ideas. I mean, that's what music is supposed to do. You know, just like any other art form, like when you do it right, then you 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 evoke that kind of feeling from people. So I think that's cool that you guys are doing that. Right on. Yeah. Um. And and you know I don't I don't want to stick around with this particular song too much because I you know I can talk about each song for hours. Sure. Uh, but yeah and even like when we got down to the lyrics which for this song and the one that precedes it we didn't do until basically the entire song was written I kind of just like scat over top of it until we decided to put actual words Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it's just kind of like a continuation uh, of that feeling from Teenage Mutant Chemtrail Lizards where I kind of feel like the, the first half of the album is just like extreme aggravation and uh, I think that, that that ending that we have to this song is almost the transition uh, for the album in, into like the next mindset for the yeah. next few songs where we're yeah. going from something super angry and frustrated into something a little more uh, uh, cathartic and understanding. Yeah, because that's when you start to get into insig- Insignificant Other and then Lullaby and A. Right, right, right. Uh, you start to, you know, Lullaby and A really kind of slows down. You know, you got they kind of got a keyboard going on. Well, right. It sounds like a keyboard. Is like, does that just a like a plug in, like a plug uh, out? Yeah, it, it was. Um, it's just there, we have a like a, a MIDI uh, thing that we were running through an, an electronic processor, mm-hmm. and uh, that originally just started as a guitar part. Um, but I was really trying to go for that sort of music box sound. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Like. In the famous Genesis album that has a song called Music Box, and they used that kind of this music box. Right, yeah, that's kind of what we were going for. Yeah, yeah, so you had that kind of vibe, which is cool. Yeah, I'm on my keyboard, so I love I love hearing Absolutely. That, that type of stuff. But yeah, it was cool that you guys brought that in, you know. So, so maybe Insignificant Other, like, so that's like your transition song on the album that kind of transitions to like the second half of the album. Right. And, 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 uh, once again, there's there's many layers uh, to that song, um, but I, I think we kind of went from the first few songs, which were very musically uh, styled after our, our early teenage influences, and this song is more musically styled toward what we listen to now, but lyrically uh, about some about being a teenager and being awkward, and, and just sort of, of relishing in that. Mm-hmm. That sort of like everyone's ugly and nobody cares type, yeah. Vibe, kind of anno me. I'm, I'm a, I was a sociology guy, so it, this idea like the, the social dissonance and anno me and like you know with what teenagers go through, right, kind of, right, right, like not being connected or trying to connect and being this kind of other, you know, wondering why you're the other and like there's all these little subgroups of others and you know like who's hip and who's not hip you know who's part of the crowd who's not. You know, we, I- who's not alpha um (laughs) and i think that was an overarching theme for the album in general is this this sort of acceptance that like all there's all these labels and stuff and they don't even matter and Mm -hmm. so i think that it's okay to to even embrace them 
Um, because yeah. like someone's so everyone's so concerned with how they're perceived that they don't realize that nobody cares because they're too busy wondering how people are perceiving them. Yeah. And, and that's sort of what this song is about is, you know, it's, 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 it starts off and it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, somebody waiting for, for a date or, or, or something like that. And well, it's kind of like the definition of dweeb. I mean, you don't have a song titled dweeb, but this song kind of, right. The dweeb well, vibe, you know, the idea like, well, you know, like when, you know, the punks and the vibes and, you know, what Pete Townsend was talking about, like in Quadrophenia, it's like you're kind of channeling, you're creating that character. You know, right. I mean, that song kind of defines the tweet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of, because I, I think it's like an origin, origin story uh, without specific names, uh, yeah. for, for at least me as a particular, as an individual. Um, and, and a lot of it has to do with like, oh, you're expecting these certain magical things to happen. Uh, but you're so preoccupied with trying to set this, you know, of events in motion that you're not realizing that nothing is happening when other when things could be happening because you're so obsessed mm-hmm. with with trying to to make this one thing go right. And, I think it's really cool. I mean, you got you got that kind of social isolation, kind of teenage thing going on. The, the experience to be able to describe it. In, in, in that way and you know you got the title itself is like yeah you know, you know it really gives a lot of insight you know so it's it's, it's really cool and then the music you know goes with it so right and the title i think was it was just a stab at, at being young and then and seeing like your first individual that you're attracted to and just being like this is the one forever not realizing that you're 13 and yeah you know like you're gonna live for <laughs> 70 more years yeah but what you think, you know, in that moment, that's your world. Right. And, and, and it matters. Yeah. And it matters yeah. to you. And you think it's very important. And you think it's like super critical. But then over time, you realize it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, it's just a moment. But, you know, at the time, you, you, you can make it really, you know, mean, mean a lot. Right. And it's the perception is reality. So that's what you perceive. That's what it is, you know, but. Yeah, it's really. I I I, I enjoyed it because I, I I'm always listening to you know artists to try to pick up what they're saying. And you guys are saying some deeper stuff than a lot you know some of the other bands doing stuff today. You know, which is cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm really worried that uh, people can't understand me, so I'm very happy to hear that you can understand some words. <laughs> no, yeah, I can understand. I I, I love your, 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 your the singing is on this album is really great. Oh, I, thank I, you so much. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, like you guys in a way are kind of like an alternative squeeze. I, I really felt like a squeeze vibe on this album. I don't know why. <laughs> I just because it, it, your your rhythm section and your bass playing, the bass playing was really like really on it, right? And, but then you guys are kind of like got this alternative vibe where you you you're mixing it up and you're not doing it straight. You know, you you mix things in. You you play with noise. You play with like punk aesthetic, right? Uh, noise and you know power power chords and stuff and it's it's cool that you you're willing to take risks you know you're willing to like do structures that are not typical right you know, which, which is i think it's great art to do that i i think it's good not to just you know it's cool to, to be able to play you know what everybody likes but it's cool to actually have your own style uh, have your own own imprint and you guys have your own imprint one thing that was fun about recording this particular album is that each song almost had its own personal challenge for us as musicians within our own band because we've been making music for so long we do have these patterns that you could probably predict and Mm -hmm. and we we often would just have a song and we're like let's do this which is the opposite of what we would normally do and uh, this this song, uh, Insignificant Other, um, you know, it changes keys like every 30 seconds. Yeah, and- that's what I really like about <laughs> what you're doing with this record, because I find that it was kind of like um, everybody running MIDI controllers. And the, 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 the computer will tell you, well, you shouldn't do that. You know, that you're, you're in the wrong key you know, you're, or you've done the rhythm off and it wants you to fix it. And right. I, I think it's like being an artist, you got to make the decision. It's like, no, this is what I want to do. Yeah, there, there's beauty in chaos for sure. Yeah, I, and I you probably tell from all the crazy sound effects we put on everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I come from an era where, you know, I like Lou Reed and the Velvets. 
you know, I, I like white, 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 light, you know, <laughs> I like, I like stuff that's kind of sonically dissonant, you know, sonic youth, you know, stuff that's off, you know, on purpose, because people are, you know, you're trying to do something different, you know, and, you know, it, it's not always, you know, you don't always have to be on the beat, sometimes being off the beat I mean, in jazz, I mean, it's like, you, you don't want to have everything just being predictable. You know, you sometimes you want it to have things a little off, a little strange, a little different to give it character. Yeah, and I, you guys are doing that a lot, which is this album. I think it's really cool. Yeah, uh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, actually, for the next song, it was kind of funny. Like the idea of like towards the latter half of the song or whatever. Uh, in a lot of our songs, we'll do this whole like loud, soft thing, loud, soft thing. And um, yeah. towards the end of Lullaby and A, which is the next track we do this like sort of build up and it seems like it's going to explode into this loud part, but then it gets even quieter at the end, which is kind of like a joke on ourselves and, and the way we write. Cause you know, we would normally have that be the real loud chorus with all the yeah. whatever. And then kind like of the, went like the opposite way on purpose to like mess with ourselves, I guess a little. Well, in the seventies, that was always the thing. Like you get the Led Zeppelin, and they'd kind of go run through something kind of quiet, then go loud and go quiet. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like you know, and you know, yes, used to do that. All of these bands, the progressive bands, they'll always kind of run through something to have a big, 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 powerful, you know, middle section, then kind of go down, be soft, and come back. You know, it's kind of nature of progressive rock. You kind of do that, but um, yeah, it's cool that you guys like saw your pattern. And decided to, to break it a little bit yeah which yeah is... and it's funny this album has a lot of our like fastest songs and also like a lot of our like slowest songs and stuff too so yeah well i think that's what's interesting is when you like like, like our spaceship is singing kind of jumping over auto neurotic which i really like yeah but, yeah that, i think that song was really interesting um we can talk about Maybe we'll get to auto neurotic. We'll go to that one because we'll go in order. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Well, that song, you know, can my character, like I play Josephine Electric, she always kind of goes off in this kind of like psychosexual craziness that is Josephine Electric, my alter ego. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I always kind of take like my, my idea of like she's part of my personality, but she's it's like really aggressive, like dominatrix person. And she gets goes off, and this auto neurotic kind of like wow, he's like Josephine would really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> cool, maybe we could uh, set them up one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, I think she appreciated the, the vibe in that song. So maybe you can talk about where it's coming from, but like Josephine was really vibing on it. Oh, cool! Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah, that was uh, another like more pop structured song that we did, but it's also yeah, again about like kind of like maybe a little going crazy and then this whole like uh like institutionalized kind of vibe i guess but we set it in like a pop or more pop setting yeah it's kind of like you know kind of like alice cooper kind of idea like he was always doing this playing on these crazy you know they, like alice who's like psycho um but then like i kind of take ideas from, from that and and do it with josephine and i kind of you know that's why i think i really you know picked up on it because I, I like that kind of playing with with things you know Ozzy used to play with that being like playing the crazy man um it's like a 70s idea to kind of do that but um it's cool I mean I I always appreciate it I always like kind of going out there and, and I, I when I when I hear something like that it just kind of I key in on it and I like it so that's always really you know jumping up on my list right on yeah um if i if i could just uh jump back before we jump forward uh mm-hmm. i want to sh- shout out our, our good friend tony who's got this uh crazy uh and like i mean crazy um uh noise project called moyo gash and uh he he helps us with that with that breakdown in our tree jewel um because we when we we went to record this album we want to get some of our friends because uh, we literally <laughs> did all of dweeb 100 percent by ourselves record mm-hmm perform mixed mastered mm-hmm. designed like everything and over that break this guy helped you with that yeah he 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 has got like i said he's got this crazy noise project and we asked him to to make noise in our noise section and, and he really makes it 
dark and scary, which is exactly what we were going for. How did he do that? I mean, I, I, mean, I want to get a secret sauce. Was he using like, you know, synthesizers or just like all kinds of. He, he's, a, he's this really strange setup where he's got uh, like a mixer that's plugged into a thousand pedals that are plugged into each other. And he's like a real knob turner. He's like really good at. at oh, just, like, so he's kind of doing. Like, I've seen like Radiohead and Wilco guys like play like that you know the way they they, they you can kind of use effects like modular eurorex and right. you can run them if you know what you're doing you can get some of the effect pedals to act like little synthesizers yeah know, kinds of crazy like loops and beeps and blops and you know weirdness um, yeah it's it's really far out he's got a a cool a cool project going um, but yeah, so so when we were looking, um, we I, I had this idea that I kind of want to do a, a duet song. And so I, I wrote this song that for the longest time, we were just calling the ukulele duet, because I just had this quick riff on ukulele. And uh, I wanted to get someone to, to help me sing it. Um, and uh, we were we were at this concert, we we're playing this house show in Temple, I think. And, uh, you know, a bunch of cool bands at that show. And uh, we really vibed with this one band uh, called Rally Point, uh, which if you're into uh, like math rock and stuff, I would definitely uh, suggest they're really cool, uh, local to the Philly area, um, doing lots of shows and cool stuff. Um, but their, their lead uh, front person uh, was just really enamored with, uh, with her guitar skills and, and she just had this really cool voice. Um, so we asked her to, to join us on this next song, uh, Our Spaceship is Sinking. Oh, so she's on there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's uh she's the one singing from the left, and I'm on the right. <laughs> oh, because I was wondering if you had just used like vocoder or something. No, no, that's that's yeah, that's our that's our friend. Um, and I, I really think that that uh, her her voice kind of being so different from mine, but also sort of in the same register, kind of yeah, it's for the 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 yeah, it worked really good. Cause I thought you were just playing with some kind of vocal studio tricks. No, no, yeah, know? she's real good. Um, yeah, yeah. If she ever wants to get an interview, let her know I do that, you know? Yeah, well, definitely forward uh, her, your information. Yeah, um, yeah, because I love interviewing bands. You know, I've interviewed tons of bands, and, like, you know, yeah, if she's interested, yeah, I'll be into that. Yeah, their their whole band, Rally Point, like I said, uh, really cool. I, we go to a couple of their concerts just to go to them. Um, uh, but, yeah, so for for uh, our Spaceship is Sinking, when we originally sat down, we kind of just had these, like, faux words and uh so uh when we sat down to actually put vocals in place uh, i kind of wanted to like break this idea of like the the man and, and woman singing you know like a love song or whatever and yeah, i really yeah. kind of want to make this sort of like angel and devil on your shoulder conversation about like anxiety and, and just being yeah. like beating yourself up to like a great extent um and so I think this song, in a sense, is, is in a journey of that inner mental conflict, uh, almost to the at a point where at the end, uh, that, that sort of refrain that gets repeated is just sort of accepting like self-defeat, but almost using that as a tool for success. It's interesting you use the spaceship analogy. <laughs> it's like sinking, so it's not crashing. It's like sinking into like water or some murky area so it's kind of like this like you know with sinking it kind of implies like you're drowning or you're, you're right. you know so it's, it's interesting the choice of words and in, in, in the idea the right Be, because because like i said we were just calling it this ukulele duet for a while we didn't know what to call it and uh uh we we kind of just put down a, a list of things that we thought were cool and uh, I think that that one specifically we chose because it, it really did vibe with the, the theme and like the the message that we were kind of going for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because you can't sink if there's no directions because sinking implies downwardness. Yeah, it implies like like a failure that you're falling out, you know, you're, you're drowning, you're like you're drowning. It, it literally it always implies that you're like, you know, right. You're, you're not making it. Something's like you're getting overwhelmed. Right. And I think that the switch in keys at the end, it signifies, at least to me, because um, I'd, I'd really like people to adapt their own ideas of, of what these songs are and what they mean to them. But for me, I think it's almost that finding success in your own failure. Oh, yeah. Well, I think as a, like if, you, if you're an artist, like failure drives, you know, an artist to create some of their best work, you know. 
that 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 that's like in in art and music like like sometimes your your failure is how you grow you know how you get better um and so like it, you kind of got to embrace that and not fear it though everybody fears failure because it's stressful right you know, when you, everybody wants to win but you know it's when you can embrace like you have something and then you can take it and they take take the charred remains of something that didn't work and then turn it into something great you know that that's like like the great you know uh, story of like all all great art you know sometimes they take something that they're very tortured about and then turn it into something beautiful or something great you know absolutely that, that can drive a lot of creative capability so yeah i totally dig that Plus the idea of doing a duet that's kind of a non-duet, you know. Yeah, well, even even in the song structure, because like the lyrics overlap, it's kind of almost like they're talking at each other than rather than yeah. to each other, and it kind of like increases the conflict. Yeah, it's not the typical duet that you would have with a rock band and a female singer, you know, doing doing. It's it's cool that you guys did that. I, I you know like I thought you were just playing with a voice card or playing with like your studio you know changes or, or on your voice, and so that's really interesting and and it's a really you know creative way of doing something. So I, I totally give you props to that. Yeah, it's awesome. Right on, thanks. So now cardboard tornado. That's you know that's what you tagged as explicit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but maybe kind of get at like uh, the, the feeling you're trying to go for because it kind of like a cardboard tornado. So it's like what what I, I I get the vibe. I mean it was like a, just a kind of a clip, but it was like is that part of a larger thing mm. that clip? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, actually Alex and I. I think right before we wrote that, we had just uh, like uh, saw the Suicide Machines in concert, who are this like punk band. Okay. And they're playing like a beer festival, and they like just had a whole bunch of like thirty second songs. Oh, and, like speed like, metal kind of. Thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, just like just real fast, like quick punk songs like that, and I I just think there's something powerful that you can kind of get away like because all of our songs like. And a couple of them that we took off the album, they started getting into like, you know, the six, seven, even ten minute mark. Yeah, yeah. Those later songs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we just wanted to do like again. I just we have this thing where we just want to battle with ourselves, (laughs) and uh, instead of doing another seven minute song, we're like, let's do a thirty second song. Like that land speed record, yeah. They did this like very short like one minute songs you know two minute songs that were very fast um heavy speed and that's cool and uh, it's a cool interlude yeah 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 we just uh yeah it ended up being 40 seconds but our goal was to write a 30 second song (laughs) well yeah you almost did (laughs) (laughs) yeah we came close (laughs) it was just kind of like the uh the drone droning noises that kind of put us over the the mark Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> well, I really like the melody of "Who the Hell Is uh, Nicholas McKay." I, oh. I, I like the the, the kind of has a very melodic sense to it. it, it it's it, it's a very interesting song. I mean, I, I was really vibing on it. I I like it. I was kind of I don't know. I was like I was feeling like a lot of different things. Like I'm feeling like a little Pink Floyd ish, and it's like kind of indie college radio back in the days, like REM and the the right. West, Paul Westerberg. You know, you know Grant Hart, Bob Mould, that kind of the idea of that kind of melody in in in, in alternative music, but have an edge to it, you know, which is cool. I've always you know been attracted to bands that that do that. Right, and if I could just speak to song order for a second, I, I think that's something that at least I know Dave in particular loves is having this extremely harsh noise-based song and then fall into that extremely laid back it's not like jarring like you almost tripped almost yeah Um, it's kind of interesting that you go from the speed metal kind of interlude to this very melodic song (laughs) well it's a it's a i i'd like to consider uh cardboard tornado a song song (laughs) um but yeah uh nicholas mckay four and five uh because we wrote one through three on our last album ep whatever you want to call it pay bills and die um and it's just something that we kind of wanted to do is, is have have this sort of uh 
like rock opera uh, uh, type deal. But we rather than sit down and, and come out with an album, uh, just, just do it episodically. Like tune in next time for whatever. Oh, so you got to continue this song into the next album with like, parts like six and seven? Yeah, I mean, I, we, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, we kind of just uh, tried to pick up right where we left off. And uh, parts one through three are, are very uh, almost like pop punk esque yeah. uh and we we curse a lot and 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 just speak uh almost downward towards this other character that there is and uh so i i kind of want to make a, a song about the fallout of that mm -hmm. um so it's kind of got this laid back feel and it just came from like a riff that i had from years ago from literally playing a c chord and then slide sliding it up to the f position and you get this crazy open suspended f something chord f what oh, well. f major seven major seven yeah seven yeah well i love to do that on the piano you know keyboard players we like to play with those two <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. And, yeah and so it's just it's just fun and, and um that that first part part uh four if you will uh you know it's, it's just like uh, just under two minutes i think it's like a minute and a half uh, and that's just kind of the bridge from part three to part five. And part five, I would say, is is the meat of this particular track. Mm -hmm. um, but but one of the things we tried to do, uh, which obviously we pa failed in, in part four, is just to have a song that was largely without distortion. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of just have this sort of, uh, uh, I think that's probably where you're getting that college radio vibe, is this, this is a lot of uh, chorus effect and, and and just kind of tried to make this sort of sweet and somber Recollect, uh, recollection of something that always always was but was never noticed yeah it's kind of like you know it's like the irs rem before they went to warners right they have a lot of that really melodic kind of you know jangling not bird you know birds inspired a little bit you know but i, I always say it's like more big star inspired but if people know who Big Star is, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say I'm familiar. <laughs> well, Big Star was Alex Chilton. Um, he was a guy, guy, a teenager in the box tops, and he created a band called Big Star. Right. Big Star is kind of like uh, like a Velvet Underground. They're an oh, American, yeah. they're they're an American pop band that tons of people listen to, but nobody bought the records. Like so, uh, like yeah. Tom Petty listened to them, REM listened to them. Like almost everybody in in the '90s, like you know, Paul, you know, all, all a lot of the like great, great like uh, indie bands, uh, said that Big Star, Radio City, was like their first album, the number one record, and then third, right they they were inspired by the. Can they what they did is they did like very they did um not, not heavy distorted guitars, but a lot of stereo chorus, a lot of reverb, a lot of tape delay. A lot of like Rickenbackers, they had uh, very interesting chord choices and sounds that weren't heavy. They were very melodic. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of what's going on here is is a, a light distortion just to kind of warming up the sound a little bit. Um, but uh, uh, another reason why you might have vibes with this song in particular is is the very end of the song is literally forbatim a jam session. Uh, where Alex is just keeping the chords, uh, keeping the riff of what he's playing before. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're just kind of building up on that with layers and layers of guitar and uh, progressive drums. Yeah, I, I always love layering. You know, I, you know I, I'm, I'm always like overdubbing like tons of modes on top of modes on top of modes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and this, this kind of started out as a, as me messing with a, a looper pedal at the time. Uh, of course, it, it, on the actual record, we can record each guitar separately and we have a million more than we would in a live setting. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's just kind of this building up jam. Well, it's cool to do that because you get this kind of, you know, like an orchestra of guitars. Right. Which, yeah. Yeah, which is really cool. It's like, you know, it goes back to you know, Hendrix used to do that at Electric Lady, you know, studios. He, he would do that for like Electric Ladyland. Um, a lot of those things, but he used to call them like sound paintings. Right. Because he would just layer. And people would say, what is, what is that on Electric Lady? Well, those are sound paintings. He said, what right. that? you know, it's, it's the atmospheric guitar, electric, you know, rock that, you know, later bands like Pink Floyd and stuff really embraced it. But, you know, Hendrix was kind of one of the first ones to really go there. But, right. Uh, 
Yeah, and that's a concept that we embrace with open arms is sort of like each thing is its own collage of sound. Um, and I personally like really big sounding guitars. So a lot of stuff and on this record in particular uh, is just guitars on guitars on guitars. Yeah, but it's great to do that, you know, because like keyboards, we do that, you know, because like analog synths, you know, they're monophonic. So in order to build, unless you can get a polyphonic one, but in order to build the sounds and we will layer all these monophonic, you know, notes on top of right. to build the chords. Right. It, it, so we tend to do kind of like what you guys are doing, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, it's a different thing, but, but I understand, you know, the motivation and what the sound that you're, you're getting at. Cause I try to do it myself a different way, but, um, yeah, it's awesome. Right. Right. Now spores in the ceiling. Like, so, so maybe describe, I kind of get a picture of somebody's like, like, you know, the idea that is kind of like, Oh, that's kind of horrific <laughs> but 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 like uh what, what you know what motivated you to go there um as per the song uh it kind of came through accident through one of alex's many jams that he just brought with him um and uh, i kind of rolled back the guitar like as far back as it could get rolled and I really tried to keep it as humble for the lack of better words as possible. Mm-hmm. Like there's really isn't any guitar on this song at all. It's kind of and, sparse. Yeah. It's very yeah. Sparse. And we kind of just tried to go for like this really dark vibey kind of sound. And yeah. uh, like lyrically just try to, to, to speak of a, a particular uh, character or, or person um, that's really desolate and i tried to use a lot of uh imagery and stuff like that to to portray that um which which kind of comes to fruition in, in that that bridge part with with a lot of uh tapping bass etc etc et yeah so the tapping you know is that became like a big um technique for this album is doing tapping type of playing um i i think in, in general it's just something that we like uh something that alex has been messing with for a while and some of our other songs like there was a very sparse on pay bills and die but it we just try to like absorb all of these different genres that we like to listen to mm-hmm. um, as for this you know particular riff uh yeah um so this one in particular um yeah i i like using or trying to use uh tapping as a way, um, you know, uh, sort of in ways other than uh, the typical, like, shred guitar type idea. Um, So, like, sometimes I I think, like, one of the best ways to think about it as a technique is, like, you know, it's a way you can reach notes that you can't reach with one hand. Um, Yeah. And if you break it down that way, I think, you know, it it gives you a way you can think more melodically instead of just thinking how many notes. Um, and then, you know, during that bridge part, it does uh, pick up a little bit, but um, I think with the repetition, something I was kind of going for there was just um, almost more of a textural type vibe where, um, you know, I'm hitting a lot of uh, chord tones in there, but it's just kind of a repetitive, uh, cascade of notes that just kind of uh loops over itself yeah it kind of does it like that atmospheric thing you know like with keyboards what we'll do like with analog sense where you'll you use like digital delays and like um like spring reverbs to create this kind of very atmospheric sound right that we, we that's really big it ends up being super fat and you can end up making like one note sound like it's like a chord <laughs> yeah, yeah and um you know so we, we like to play with that in octaves and stuff to like see what we can do with our effect systems to like you know make it sound like more than what it is sometimes if you look at it it's like wow that sounds real fat it was like maybe just two notes but it was the way you ran the effects on it or the way you played it um you try to play in different ways like synthesizer players we always try to mimic other instruments and so we right. don't play like piano players. We try to play like, you know, I'll try to play like a bass player. I try to play like a saxophone player. 
or try to play like a drummer. Um, so you have to try to, you know, imagine being something else. So it's interesting you do, you're doing the different techniques to kind of go beyond what somebody would think a guitar player would do. Um, right. Which is cool. Because, I mean, synthesizer players, that's what we do because we have to try to mimic the instruments that we're using, <laughs> you know, for our sounds. And so yeah. we play in different ways that are not traditionally piano playing techniques. But, um, yeah, so I can understand you know, like trying to open up on your guitar as many different techniques as possible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as for the name, um, well, throughout the song, there's a lot of like house metaphors and like this house falling down, just kind of like this person falling down and, and whatever. Yeah, it's like a decrepit, like, yeah. Moldy, like, <laughs> and like, actually, a, a, like a horror scene, he's like, he's like, man, it's like, you know, it's like Chucky's gonna show up or something. <laughs> yeah, kind of, but actually, Alex did have mold in his apartment ceiling <laughs> while we were writing that song. <laughs> like, I. Or you the real life situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a desperate plea to the landlord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, on, that please, song please. is dedicated to Alex's landlord. <laughs> yeah, well maybe they'll get they get the bad you know, they're now they're getting bad press and maybe they'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then then it comes to like well, my other my really I, I like George and Mary, like I said before, it had this kind of like Dylan in the vibe basement tape thing where it's very melodic, very, you know, stripped down. And I love that. You know, I mean, I listen to like a lot of, a lot of, you know, uh, things that are not highly produced sometimes that, that I think like when you get down to doing like vocals with guitars, very simple harmonies and things that in this world where everybody's using like CDJs and, you know, plugins and all this stuff. Sometimes they, they, you know, going backward a little bit. George and Mary, I really appreciate that song. I, yeah, I like, yeah. Like the, I like the feel of it. It sounds, it feels like something from the seventies to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you. We, yeah, we were kind of going for, I guess, like maybe slightly like out, like outlaw country. I guess a little yeah. bit, but like a yeah. liberal country, not a modern like pop country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's actually like a nice contrast. Like um, normally, I guess you would think, and again, going with the theme of going against ourselves, um, like generally you would think like a big like epic ending such as the ending of Spores in the Ceiling would be like a nice album closer, but we wanted to put like an upbeat, quick, um, yeah, yeah, like a nice palate cleanser at the end. So that's kind of what George and Mary was, is... Um, you know, a nice like upbeat from break from the normal. Like, yeah, I like the fact they had that country. I'm a big Johnny Cash, you know, Wailing Jennings, you know, like, you know, I I like that old school country. Yeah, down. Yeah, that whole um, like Americana. You know, we like the band. You know, even though they're all Canadian. <laughs> yeah. They get tagged with Americana, but most of the band was from Canada. But... <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The, uh, Johnny Cash was definitely an inspiration for that song and stuff, especially with the, um, the two vocals and everything, the slightly offbeat, like harmonies yeah. um, and stuff, which were um, sung by our friend, Rebecca Zimmerman. She's like a, a folk rock pop artist in our oh, area super cool. talented and has a bunch of her own music she just dropped a record uh that she wrote in ireland um oh wow which is really great and uh yeah so she interview her too <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um she uh helped us sing on the song we we're going yeah for like a johnny cash vibe also um like bright eyes and stuff just that oh whole, yeah um... yeah connor you got a connor obers vibe on this album i, I forgot to mention because i would keep on saying you know that you guys sound like squeeze but you also sound like you know bright eyes and connor roberts yeah yeah we definitely have a little bit of that in there yeah. too and especially on this song like yeah um, this song yeah this song like, kind of reminds me of casadega type things you know, you know yeah like, yeah for sure yeah which i thought was like they're like their masterpiece but um yeah but you, you you're in that kind of zone on that song you're, you're kind of channeling that which i think was one of his best records and so yeah that that has a really cool feel I like that feel. Right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. But if, if, if I could just uh, uh, take a second to, to speak directly to, to the song name, because uh, this, this is a song that I've had uh, for a long time. It, it's probably had this for 10 years. 
Uh, oh, I originally it's an, older, it's an old song. Yeah, uh, I originally wrote it uh, when my grandfather died uh, ten years ago, and uh, it's it's something that I, I really wanted to put out, but kind of struggled with a little bit. Not that it really even says anything in particular, um, but it was just sort of the sentimental thing, and, and I thought that it was just very important uh, for me, at least, uh, to, to put to put it out there. Um, and it's just kind of, just, you know, a, a straightforward, just, uh, you know, your, your three major chords going over and over again. Um, but I, I really wanted to, to style it after after the music that, you know, we had always listened to, which, you know, like you said, is that crazy, like uh, uh, Johnny Cash and, and all that older sort of country pop music, you know? Yeah, Americana, like a real kind of, you know, like American music, you know, you got jazz, you know, we got rock, you got country. And, uh, you know, they're the art forms that we kind of created. Like Johnny Cash kind of created his own genre of country, which is like, you know, the outlaw country. But just yeah. like to me, it's like the real country music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, I mean, art, modern country music is all yeah, it's 808 drums and, and yeah, it's, it's almost hip hop music at this point. Yeah, well, it's become like pop. And it doesn't, yeah, have, it doesn't have like you know. I guess you still get Willie Nelson playing, you know, with with uh, you know Neil Young and you know Neil Young, you know, Canadian again is playing more country music than. <laughs> but but it, but you know, it's just it's cool to actually channel that vibe because you know if you listen to the band, you listen to the to these great old artists uh, that did that genre. There's something about the, the honesty in that genre that they that that's what I like about it. You kind of strip down. You get to yeah. hear the vocals, you get to hear the guitars. There's not a lot of production over it, but it's just the honesty of it. That's what. Yeah, it, it was. It was very. It was very intentional for that. Uh, we normally don't sit down and 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 try to fit in any particular genre. We're kind of all over the place. It's scatterbrained and just yeah. a bunch of genres mashed together. But it was very important for this to be all clean guitars and just straightforward vocals. And we even had like a crazy vocal sound effect at the beginning but you know just decided not to use it just because we wanted something more straightforward yeah i mean this song that song is so good and that thank you that means a lot that that you guys could do a whole album of songs like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no i know thanks. you guys that's not your main genre but it was so good and i don't know in this market maybe the amount of people would be into it but yeah but i i really enjoyed it i like that i would like to hear more songs like that because i mm -hmm. like it I mean, that's where I kind of, when I listen to stuff like on my own, you know, I'm an electronic musician. I'm like, why are you listening to that? But I listen to everything. But yeah, I, I have a big love for songs like that. So yeah, I really, I really give you a lot of props to that because it's cool. That, that's the nature of this album. The fact that you're willing to put different types of songs together and it still fits with the rest of the album, you know, it, 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 but it's, it's really interesting and it's cool. And it's why, you know, you listen to an album rather than a playlist to kind of get a vibe. Um, right. And this really closed the album out really good. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, so like this is the Family Electric Ghost, and we were talking to Sex with Roller Coasters, and, you know, this album is really good. I hope you have a major success. Are you ha doing touring to support it? Um, yeah, we, we got a couple things going. Um, yeah, we're mostly, uh, you know, centered in the Philadelphia area, but um, this summer – we're doing um, like uh, our next show is June 22nd in the Philadelphia Burbs. And then August we're playing uh, in South Jersey, Brooklyn, DC, like a couple places up cool. and down the East coast. That's cool. Cause this, this is a really good record and it deserves to be heard. You know, I'm pushing it. And um, just to let you guys know, like anchor now we've hit like 14,300 fans um, uh, that have been listening to our anchor show. And now uh, Anchor is part of Spotify. So we get pushed out to not only Spotify, but to like 11 other podcast platforms. Um, yeah, that's that's awesome. So when we put this out there, one of the cool things we can do is like we can set it up as a highlight link um, on your, um, on your uh, Instagram. And so on my Instagram, I will actually create a highlight that will actually... Awesome be a hyperlink to the full episode on Spotify podcast. Cool. cool. And then I'll push that out. It's going to go out to my Facebook, my blogger, my Twitter, 
and um, all my other social accounts. Um, but yeah, we, we just encourage people to, to, to stream your album, download your album, buy your album on Amazon, buy it every way you can buy it. Yes, please do. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I always try to tell people, it's like, you know, streaming is cool, but if you really love a band, go on iTunes, go on Amazon and go buy it, you know, you know, because that's how you really support a band. Yeah, the, the best thing you could do as a fan of, of any local artist, regardless if they're a musician or not, is, is interact with their content, even if that's just leaving a comment on a post oh, yeah. or, or, or rating something in iTunes or just like the things that you don't even normally think about doing uh, are all, you know, a, a great help, uh, oh, especially yeah. with today's like crazy computer algorithms that push your content in certain directions. Yeah, we're trying to get you on a, on a bigger playlist, like pushing, you know, your fans to say, hey, get 10 other people to listen to it, get another 10 people to listen to it, you know, pushing it into the bigger playlist and like that helps get, get help you, you know, helps get you out there, you know, you know, listen to you on YouTube, get your YouTube numbers up. Uh, yeah, it's just a- anything what you can do. So I understand that everybody's going to buy it. But, you know, if, if you're if you're a true, if you're a big fan of, of the band. Then, then I'm always saying, you know, please, you know, buy, buy your material. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're always looking forward to talking to you guys. When you have another album out, or you have any other big news, we're always going to put you on. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, we're it's been a psyched. pleasure. Yeah, we're we're psyched this year. After like 30 years in the business, we got signed to two labels. That's uh, awesome. We're on Bentley Records and Mojo Heads, and now that tells you like a 50 year old can still do something (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah so you know you just hold on to your dreams because you never know it took me 30 years to get signed so you just stick to it (laughs) and and you can get out there so yeah so i'm real excited for your album i hope everybody goes and listens to it i'm going to push it on the on the podcast i'll put put the links up and i hope you guys have great success and i will talk to you again thank you so much okay thank you have a great night you too, man. Right, see ya. Bye. Bye.